Welcome into the All Things Bama podcast powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide news and information. And I'm your host, Tyler Martin, here to talk about all things Alabama football, recruiting, even basketball as well, uh, as we get into this show here on Friday, July 9th, and flying solo today. But that won't happen uh, again for, for the very, very long time because I want to make a couple announcements for Bama Central. Joey Blackwell normally joins me, uh, you know, once a week on here to, to, to be my guest. And now Bama Central, we've actually added on to our staff. Uh, we've added Harrison Holland, who has been an intern for us. He's going to help out with basketball, recruiting, and uh, some other updates as well for us. He's going to help out with Bama in the NFL. Um, that page is going to help Christy Patrick, who does a great job there. He's going to help her out. Uh, he's going to help football out as well. So, so he's going to do a lot for us. And we've also added on Katie Windham, who was another intern this past spring. And she did a phenomenal job, her and Edwin Stanton, both covering Alabama softball and the Crimson Tides run in Oklahoma City. So we've added her as well. She'll be there backing up for uh, me and Joey in football. She'll be the head person on softball, uh, gymnastics. uh, She'll be there with basketball with us as well. So we're really fired up to be adding Harrison and Katie. They're going to do a phenomenal job helping out me, Chris, and Joey here on the side, and it's just it's phenomenal, bright things ahead and a bright future ahead for uh, BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for Crimson Tide news and information. So I wanted to get that out of the way, and so this podcast moving forward is going to be a rotation of, of Joey, Harrison, Katie, and Chris as well. So uh, and we're going to go back to two episodes a week when football season rolls around, so that's really big and really important. Um, for now, though, in the summertime, we're just going to stick to one episode a week, but we will start doing two um, a little bit after SEC media days and when fall camp really kicks off for the Crimson Tide starting in early, early August. But wow, what a day for the University of Alabama football program on Thursday, picking up elite, elite and arguably the number one player in the state of Alabama could be argued a top five player in the entire country in the class of 2022. Defensive end out of Thompson High School, Jeremiah Alexander. He stands about six foot two, 235 pounds. He was a former Alabama commit. You know, he committed right before COVID in early March of 2020, then decommitted in October uh, to focus on his junior season with the Warriors, which resulted and another state championship. So Thompson coming off of two straight state titles, Jeremiah being a huge part of that. He started uh, for Coach Mark Freeman's team since he was a freshman. Um, And he's been the guy for the last three years now, really, in this entire state. And um, just phenomenal edge rusher. And just from talking to people around his recruitment, talking to some coaches, you know, I mean, this this kid was a can't-miss prospect for Alabama, and it's and really what his commitment was on Thursday was sending a message across the bow over there at Clemson who came in there um, late and really surged once Jeremiah got on campus there a couple times in June, was sending a message that Alabama um, still has a fence around this state, right? And, and I get it. Clemson's had success in the past in the state of Alabama over the last few cycles, getting the likes of players like Justin Ross and E.J. Williams, and uh, but no, Alabama wanted to send a message and make sure um, that they kept what was what was in their state, what was in their backyard uh, coming to Tuscaloosa. So obviously a big, big get for the Crimson Tide. And to, when I when I watch Jeremiah and I've had the opportunity to see him live and in person a couple times and, uh, you know, even, even last year, too, as well. 
he's he's got all the intangibles, right? He's quickness, got great leverage, got great strength, his power. And when you mix all that explosion together, I, I mean, you just get an outstanding football player who's a nightmare. I mean, a, a, you know, he throws 7A tackles here in the state of Alabama. And, and this is the highest level of football in the state of Alabama. And he throws those offensive alignment around like they're nothing, like they're ragdolls. And it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do throughout his really, really legendary high school career. Um, had over 100 tackles, had 10 sacks last year, 31 tackles for loss. I mean, he was he was a monster last year. And um, Alabama made sure that, you know, that they got him. And, to you know, Georgia was a factor, too, when he decommitted. Um, LSU a little bit. UCF, he also took an official visit down to Orlando. Um, but it was down to Alabama Clemson, Alabama winning out for Jeremiah Alexander. And I know he made a lot of Alabama fans sweat. I know a lot of the Alabama fans were sweating over this. And I, I tried to tell people when he decommitted, and we, we were talking about this on our, the, our, our message board, and um, which, by the way, you guys can sign up right now to be a part of Bama Central Forums and, and check that out. Just go to BamaCentralForums.com, or you can go to our homepage and click on the link there um, at the top of the page and go find that there. But – um, you know, he made a lot of Alabama fans sweat, and it was very nerve-wracking for a little bit. But but Jeremiah, the connections built at Alabama, the relationships, this is the Freddie Roach effect, in my opinion. You know, even with Carl Scott left the Alabama coaching staff, they picked up, you know, right where he left it off um, in terms of this re- recruitment and did a fantastic job. And just those deep relationships, because Alabama had been recruiting Jeremiah since he was a freshman. Um, just those relationships were too much to overcome, right? And Growing up in Alabama, seeing Alabama win national championships, uh, Jeremiah asked himself, you know, why, why, why not be a part of that? And he's going to be a part of that. And now he becomes the 10th pledge in Alabama's 2022 class. And, too, I mean, you, you go back to 4th of July, Alabama got even more fireworks with an Aniston uh, standout, Antonio Kite, who's being looked at as a defensive back for Alabama. And he, he commits. So Alabama right now at 10 commitments – July's already started off with a bang, and that will continue. Let me tell you that right now. That will continue this month. There's a lot of guys down here in July that that are that are already took all their visits in June. They're ready to make a decision prior to their senior year, right? Um, and and I'll tell you what, a lot of Alabama targets are, are getting ready to, to make commitments. And you have Tyler Booker, the offensive lineman out of IMG, who's been heavily pursued by teams like Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Ohio State, and Alabama. Those five are in contention for him. Tyler Booker, uh, Dane Shore, another offensive lineman. This offensive line class really isn't that deep. Um, those two guys right there, kind of Elijah Pritchett as well, and another offensive lineman, and Easton Harris, an in-state prospect. Um, those are kind of some Alabama targets on the offensive line who they're looking at, and a couple of them could be making decisions pretty soon. Denver Harris, uh, the cornerback from Texas, you know, this, this could Alabama see similar success that it had in the 2021 cycle in the Lone Star State? I, I think I think there's a chance. There's not many, maybe as pro, as many prospects, but in terms of the top end talent, I think Alabama has a great shot of, of really stealing that away. And Denver Harris is is number one at that list in terms of defensive backs in the state of Texas. And Alabama's in a great position for him coming off of an official visit to Tuscaloosa just a few weeks ago. Uh, Justice Finkley, the defensive end from Hewitt Trustful, is another player who just released a top three, and it included Alabama, Texas, and Colorado. Alabama's in a great in great shape for him. I think Colorado, you know, has got some family ties. Texas has been very intriguing as well to him. But for ju- Justice, I, I to me – 
I think he's just as good as Jeremiah Alexander, maybe maybe just a step below. But I think Justice Finkley is another can't-miss prospect in this state of Alabama uh, 2022 cycle. And, and just real quick, guys, if you look at it, Alabama has a great shot to really own the top, the top two talent in 2022, and it's loaded. And 2023 is the same way. But you look at this right here. Alabama's already got Emmanuel Henderson in tow. The, the, the state's number one running back. They've got Robert Woodard, the linebacker from Mobile. They've got Jeremiah Alexander yesterday. They're they're likely the leader for Justice Finkley right now. Um, Traquan Feagans this week announced the top five. The DB from Thompson, who just transferred over from uh, Oxford. He announced top five. Alabama's in there, right? Curtis Perry from Montgomery. Um, really, really elite defensive lineman. Another can't-miss prospect, in my opinion. So, And then Kite, who's a top ten player in the state, you look, you just look at from top to bottom. I mean, Alabama right here could have easily one through five, the top five players in this class when it's all said and done. And, you know, Alabama obviously recruits at a national level and we're seeing this year too. I mean, just the in-state talent that's there, Alabama, it's ripe and Alabama is taking it. And um, we, we could see more commitments really this month, um, you know, potentially with Justice Finkley, Traquan Figgins. So, I mean, there's just, uh, you know, July is going to be a booming month for the Crimson Tide, and we're really going to see them push really up top in the rankings. I know Sports Illustrated All-American has them at 16th right now, um, but that was prior to Kite's decision and Jeremiah Alexander. So certainly, certainly, certainly with those two additions, that puts them up there near the top 10. And I think by the time it's said and done, I mean, it's almost like it is every year, right, guys? Alabama is going to push for either the second best class in the country or more times than not, the number one class in the country. So that's what's all going on in the recruiting front right now. It's, it's really big, and July is going to be a huge month, similar to what we saw last year um, when Alabama just got a, a slew of commitments prior to, to the football season beginning. I wanted to head on the gridiron real quick. Earlier this week, I, I released a, kind of my quarterback rankings for the SEC, you know, some of the best returners coming back in 2021, and um, I, I kind of wanted to hear what you guys thought as well. So feel free, you know, comment, um, you know, somewhere on here. You can even message me on Twitter. You can email us or even, hey, shoot, go to our go to our new forums, go to our new message boards. I'll post it in there again, and we can really talk about it there too. But I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. So, um, you know, you look, you kind of look at the quarterback landscape this year, right? You've got JT Daniels from Georgia, Matt Corral from Ole Miss, Bo Nix from Auburn. You kind of got those are the those are the three guys that are kind of the mainstays, right? They they have experience. They they've been consistent in the in what they well, they have experience. Let me put it that way. I'll, I'll get into the consistency of all those guys. Um, but then you know some other schools. There's going to be a lot of quarterback battles. You know I think about Tennessee. You know Harrison Bailey. Then the Virginia Tech transfer Hendon Hooker. Kentucky's going to have a quarterback battle with Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen. Look at Texas A and M. They've got to go replace a legendary player in Kellen Mond. Legendary in the sense of that he's you know Texas A and M's you know, arguably their best quarterback of all time, you know, they've got to replace him. So, you know, either Hayes King or, or Zach Cazalda is, you know, is going to be in the fight there. You look at LSU, LSU's in a heated battle right now between Miles Burden and Max Johnson with TJ Finley out of the mix, TJ Finley committing, uh, transferring to Auburn. You know, if Bo Nix isn't consistent, then TJ Finley could factor into that quarterback race there too. So I think there's going to be a lot of turnover as well too. And you mentioned, you know, there's going to be some new faces, uh, you have Bryce Young taking over from Mac Jones at Alabama. You have Emory Jones taking over from uh, Kyle Trask at Florida. So just so really just a lot of new faces, right? 
um, and a lot of new starting roles. But here is my top five entering the 2021 season. Number five, I had Connor Bazelik. Uh, the, the, he's, a, he's a rising sophomore at Missouri. I thought when he really took over for Missouri, you know, and really won the starting job, that, man, he, he, he didn't look like a freshman for his first couple weeks. And it really started kind of the first game when he came in late in the second half against Alabama, led a big touchdown drive. You know, I, I thought he was really, really good for the first four or five games that he started for Missouri. And, you know, he in those games, you know, he had six touchdowns and I think only one interception. But the last few weeks of the season, he really teetered off. Um, but I do think that for Eli Drinkwitz's offensive system to run, which is a really complicated system, he, he, he learned quick, he learned on the fly, and he was really, really successful. And that's why he earned SEC Freshman of the Year last year. And, you know, he ended up throwing for over 2,300 yards. And uh, just really had a good freshman season that I think Missouri can build on um, going into 2021. And I think Missouri, if you look at the SEC East, it's Georgia, Florida, and everybody else. And so I think Missouri's got a really good shot to, to vie for to be that third best team in the East or maybe even the second best team in the East, right? I think Missouri is is a team that, yes, they do have to replace a lot on the offensive side of the ball, like a, like a Larry Roundtree, the second. Um, they do get Tyler Beatty back. But I think Missouri is a team that can challenge to be right there, two or three. They're definitely not better than Georgia. Um, but Florida, I have a lot of question marks with the Gators, and it starts with Emory Jones, um, who's kind of had, you know, each year, I mean, his, his role's really regressed in, in the Gators' offense. But Dan Mullen's super creative. We'll see what happens with him. But Connor Bazelik of Missouri at number five. Number four, I said, whoever LSU throws out there, right? Miles Brennan, before he had the hip injury, man, he was really, really good. And he was not the reason for LSU's issues all last year. That was the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's a reason why Bo Pelini was gone. You know, he got fired. Uh, Max, you know, Miles Brennan threw for 11 touchdowns, one interception. You know, the, I mean, the reason, you know, they lose to Mississippi State. They lose to Missouri. And the reason that happens is, is because you give up 40 points. And when you give up 40 points, you're more likely going to lose the game. You know, you just you just can't give up 40 and expect to win nowadays. And, you know, Miles Brennan was really, really good, completing over 60% of his passes before he got hurt. But, you know, his injury paved the way for T.J. Finley to, to get some time. And he was up and down, you know, but he, he, he flashed with some of his arm strength, some of the arm talent there. Um, but, you know, he's obviously at Auburn now. And then Max Johnson, who really burst onto the scene, and I thought in the last two games of the year that LSU played when they went on the road in the swamp and, and upset Florida and really took away Florida's chance to make the college football playoff. That was very, very impressive. He was just – he was lights out. And then against Ole Miss, winning a shootout against Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin, that was impressive as well. So really whoever Ed O'Dron trots out there um, in their first week on Labor Day weekend, I think, is, um, you know, in, the, in that four to five range uh, at best in the SEC. But I had Miles Brennan or Max Johnson at number four. Number three. Now, I, I really debated that even including him in this because, you know, I, I, the potential is obviously there. I think of all the guys here, he has the highest upside but the least amount of experience. And that's Bryce Young of Alabama. And, and I, you know, and the only reason I thought about not putting him on here was because, you know, he's not necessarily proven, right? We saw some flashes late in some mop-up time last year. And yeah, the one play that really stands out to me, or the drive, I should say, was, was when he got in there against Kentucky and his, his, touch, his only touchdown pass in an Alabama uniform came to Devontae Smith. 
Um, that drive right there, he, he had some really great throws, you know, across the body, um, getting it to the opposite side of the field, the opposite side of the numbers. I mean, he was, he was making some plays on that drive and, and just kind of showed off, you know, his quick ability, the quick twitch, getting the ball out. And then you go into the spring, you hear about how much he um, really was able to understand Bill O'Brien's playbook, really understand what they were doing quickly. Um, Bryce Young's very cerebral. He's very above the neck type player. And he's got the wheels too. I mean, you know, he he can run with the football. Um, he's a better runner than Tua was, and Tua was really wasn't you know a, a runner per se. I mean, he could. He was never really asked to do that. But but Bryce Young can do that a little bit more, um, and that's more of his is his nature and his in what his skill set is. Um, but then the quick twitch with the arm, getting the ball out quick to the playmakers. We saw that at the A day game, especially with Treshawn Holden building some chemistry there. I thought. Um, I think that's what we're going to see a lot with this Alabama offense too. And when you, when you add in guys like a Jamison Williams, you know, and then you add in a Jojo Earl, who was a late enrollee, those two guys are in and Christian Leary, who we didn't see in a day because, you know, he was out, um, you know, during the COVID protocols, you know, like 24 guys were, um, you know, it's, I think there's going to be some playmakers on this Alabama offense that are obviously going to be new to a lot of fans. Um, but they're so quick, man. And that's what Nick Saban likes to do now. He wants to get track stars on the outside. And Bryce Young's the quarterback to get that ball to them quick and let them make the plays. And I think Alabama's is really going to do that with the players like Jamison Williams, Jojo Earl, and Christian Leary, um, any one of those three. And I, and I, and I know Jamison Williams, um, since he's arrived on campus, you know, has, has, been, has been making some headway in some summer workouts. So Bryce Young at three. And the only reason I say that, again, he has the least amount of experience, but the highest amount of upside, in my opinion, as the number one overall player in the recruiting class of 2020. And I think he can do some damage with those weapons. Number two, JT Daniels. He's only played in four SEC games uh, with Georgia. You know, he's coming. he was coming off of an of a ACL tear uh, at USC before he transferred into Georgia. And, you know, you, you look at how well he played last year, and you just got to think, man, if you're a Georgia fan, where was he at the beginning of the year? Why did Kirby, you know, roll out Stetson Bennett? Why did he roll out Dewan Mathis? You know, where was this guy all along? And, of course, you know, they were going to blame, you know, you can kind of look at it and say, well, maybe he wasn't 100% healthy. But you just think, man, Georgia is a different team when JT Daniels is in there and with Todd Munkin uh, calling the plays. I mean, it's, you know, Georgia's really, really, really dangerous. And I know we kind of say it every year with this program that, you know, this is the year, right? This is it. It's been forever since 1980. But if Georgia doesn't win it this year, you know, they've got the weapons now. They, you know, they just landed Eric Gilbert. Um, they've got Washington, you know, the big tight end who is, you know, him and Eric Gilbert were the two top tight ends in the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, I know George Pickens is hurt, but, you know, apparently there's a chance he can come back at, the, you know, closer to the end of the regular season. You know, Georgia's got the defensive talent. You know, they've got to, they've got to return a lot. They've got to, you know, fix a lot of pieces. A lot of pieces are gone, but they've got the talent to do that. They've recruited just as well as Alabama has. And now they've got the star quarterback to really get it done. And you just look at his numbers, man, in the four SEC games, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, only two picks. He had, you know, and I, I remember watching his first game last year against Mississippi State. He comes out there, four touchdowns, 400 yards, and Georgia's rushing game was awful that game. I mean, they couldn't get anything going. They were really relying on him, and it was one of the first times, I think, in program history that a quarterback uh, threw for over 400 yards, which is crazy, but, but Georgia's now – Kirby's now understanding that you've got to evolve to win nowadays in football, similar um, to, to Saban a few years back, you know, when they hired Kiffin in, 20, in 2014. So 
Um, it's you know Georgia to me should be the favorite to win the SEC. I don't think I don't I don't think they will, but I think Georgia right now should be the favorite, and a lot of that has to do with JT Daniels and how much of a difference maker he is at the quarterback position. Number one, Matt Corral. Matt Corral, you know, his freshman year, uh, you you saw flashes. You saw the potential. This kid coming into the SEC country, you know, he's a West Coast kid. Um, You know, he kind of has an eagle about him. You know, he's just got a contagious attitude and energy, kind of just, you know, he's going to be the guy. You know, he he has those leadership qualities. And you saw that his freshman year. Um, and I remember watching that Egg Bowl, um, the, the, the famous one where, you know, uh, Matt Luke gets fired, Joe Moorhead gets fired afterwards. You, you saw Corral and his just potential, and he flashed. And you said, okay, well, you know, if you get the right guy, if you get him in the right system, what kind of player can he be? And we saw it last year with Lane Kiffin. You know, the quarterback, the best downfield quarterback in terms of accuracy and yards was Matt Corral with the deep ball. Um, he was really, really good. Now, Matt Corral had some really great weapons as well. Elijah Moore, who was an early second-round pick, and then that tight end, Kenny Yaboa. I mean, he was the beneficiary of a lot of good players. And so Ole Miss, you know, has got to got to regroup on the outside with some weapons. Um, but Matt Corral has got the – he's got the experience down in the SEC. He's been through two seasons – um, Lane Kiffin, you know, is and him, the thing is, Matt Corral might be the most perfect quarterback to run Lane Kiffin's system. He's he's also a threat on the ground. You know, he had over 500 rushing yards and another four touchdowns. He accounted for over almost 35 touchdowns, total touchdowns last year. Um, he just couldn't be stopped. I mean, Alabama had, I mean, he gave Alabama so many fits last year. He gave everybody fits in the SEC outside of Arkansas. And here's my concern with Matt Corral. The turnovers are an issue. He had the six turnover game against Arkansas, and somehow Ole Miss still won that football game. And, you know, he had 14 interceptions on the year, to 29 touch to passing touchdowns. The interceptions have got to get fixed. And if the interceptions get fixed, Ole Miss is going to make some noise in, in a very, very tough SEC Western division, I think. And I think, you know, when everyone's trying to figure out, okay, how's the SEC West going to fold? I think you have Alabama in a class of its own. You have LSU. Auburn's a little bit of an unknown. Can Bo Nick stay consistent? Can, can you know? Can he stop turning the ball over? Uh, what is you know? What's Texas A&M going to look like? Right? <clears throat> They're going to have a new a new signal caller. Um, can Jimbo Fisher in, in a in a in a put up or shut up kind of year? Can he deliver? I think Ole Miss is a team that could vie to be you know two and three right there in the SEC West and really make some noise. And let me tell you, October second when the Rebels come to Tuscaloosa, that's going to be a must watch game between Bryce Young and Matt Corral and, and Lane Kiffin and all of that. You know him coming back as um, as you know as a head coach now again of, of Ole Miss is going to be really really fascinating. So Matt Corral's number one to me. And I'm excited, you know, for for SEC media days in a couple of weeks because we're going to be able to vote on, you know, the all SEC preseason teams. And I can't wait to see the quarterback position. Is it JT Daniels? Is it Matt Corral? What does the media think? And I know a lot of times we're wrong, um, but I'm kind of curious to see where um, a lot of people's heads are because I think Matt Corral right now he has the experience. He has, you know, he just has the intangibles to really lead this young Ole Miss team. I think. Um, as long as Ole Miss can get better defensively, my, my only issues outside of the turnovers with him is can Ole Miss's defense, can they stop a nosebleed? Can they stop somebody? Um, but those are my top five SEC quarterbacks going into the 2021 season. Connor Bazelik, uh, Max, Miles Brenner, Max Johnson of LSU, Bryce Young of Alabama, JT Daniels, and then Matt Corral. Lastly, let's switch over to basketball. 
let's switch over to Jaden Shackford, who through Jeff Goodman of Stadium announced a finalist, uh, his three finalists, where he wants to transfer to Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and there's a return potentially to Alabama. Potentially. I want to say that. Potentially. And when I saw this list of teams, I was probably like most of you guys. I was I was shell shocked. I was I was kind of just a little dumbfounded, to be honest with you, because one of the reasons why you know Shackford is transferring right is is apparently the the development. Apparently, they didn't get great NBA feedback. Um, You know, he didn't get invited to the combine, so he wants to work on that, right? And real quick, you know, the offensive systems that have really changed college basketball over the last couple seasons, number one at the top of that list has been the offensive revolution that Nate Oates has kind of ushered in at Alabama, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're in the top three uh, adjusted tempo on Ken Palm. They're getting up and down. Coach Oates allows so much offensive freedom, allows guys to, to do whatever they want to do on offense, right, as long as it's not just blatant out stupid. And as long as you give effort defensively, Coach Oates is going to give you freedom. He's going to get, make you allow you to be creative. And, you know, I'm looking at these three teams, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. First, let's look at Ohio State, right? You know, Holtman, Chris Holtman has done a really solid job with the Buckeyes, you know, outside of a, of a first-round loss to Oral Roberts last year. You know, you can kind of throw that away, right? I mean, um, Ohio State will be, you know, if Dwayne Washington, you know, uh, if he's, depending on his situation, you know, Jane Shackelford could be a really good replacement there. And Jane Shockford, you know, is Alabama's leading scorer last year, 14 points. Now, the percentages his sophomore year were not great. Defensively, Jane Shackford was not great. Let's make that let's make that very known. But in terms of offense and where Jane Shackford thrives, right, when he has the ball in his hand, when he can get to the cup, I think he's one of the best, uh, you know, drivers, especially in the SEC last year. Ohio State was 251st in the country in adjusted tempo. Now let's look at uh, let's look at Texas Tech. Now Texas Tech had Chris Beard, uh, they at the time, and they were 316th. Chris Beard's gone. They've hired you know his top assistant, who is kind of the defensive mind behind you know Chris Beard's Texas Tech teams. So you know I, I don't expect Texas Tech adjusted tempo to go up really that much from 316th. Right? They're not going to go from 316th to top 100 in one year. Then we look at Oklahoma, who just hired Porter Mosier uh, from Loyola Chicago. So we, let's look and, – and let's remember this. Loyola Chicago, they got knocked out last year by Oregon State. And we all know that game was a slugfest. It was – honestly, it was not aesthetically pleasing at all to watch that game. The only people who watched that game were Loyola Chicago, Oregon State fans, people who cared about college basketball. That game was ugly. Adjusted tempo, they were 342nd. At Oklahoma – it's going to be – it might be – it will be better, right? You're going to get better athletes. You're, you're going to get um, better players. But it's not going to be a jump where you're going to maybe even go inside the top 200, right? So, um, it's, 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 just, it's just fascinating to me that, that, that these are the options, right? And I get it. Uh, you know, in terms of that you want to – NBA development, these are your options, Right. Because the only there's only a few systems right now in college basketball that mimic what the NBA does, and Alabama's one of them. I mean, shoot, Alabama just had Kyra Lewis drafted in the lottery. They're going to have Josh Primo as a first-round pick, um, who, you know, he only averaged, you know, eight points a game, and he was Alabama's fifth-leading scorer. And I get it, he's 18. The age is a big deal. I um, mean, he's super young. The upside's really high. 
But in terms of development, if development's your issue, why aren't you just staying at Alabama? Why, why? I mean, and here's the thing. Does Jaden Shackford want to play more point guard? Does he want to be more of a facilitator? I mean, if that's what it is, then, then this, this makes sense. This list makes sense. But, I, you know, I don't think Jaden Shackford's going to be averaging 14 points with Oklahoma, with Porter Mosier. I don't think he's going to be averaging 14 points with Texas Tech. I mean, he might. I mean, he very well could. He's very talented. But I, I just think, you know, I think for Jaden Shackford, I'm just speaking on the outside here, and I think him staying at Alabama is, is still his best option. And if he doesn't want to be a part of Alabama, if he's, you know, if he's done, and I, I think, you know, there's some other behind-the-scenes stuff working on there, I think, you know, that's okay. You know, it might be time to dust, dust Alabama. You know, Alabama needs to dust their feet, move on. Jaden Shackford might need to do the same. But I think if you're looking at professional development, what play – I mean, Ohio State, Texas Tech, and, and Oklahoma, they're not better professional developments in, the, in college basketball right now than Alabama. They're, they're just not. And, you know, we, we, we see the offensive numbers. We see the recruits that Nate Oates has been able to pull in, these high-profile players. I mean, it's not because they want to be on the part of the 342nd uh, fastest team in the country. No, they want to be on a top-10 fastest team in the country. They want to have freedom. They want to have the ability um, to do what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball. The Texas Tech talking point is very interesting because if you think about it, if, if Shaq ends up going to Texas Tech, then what you're essentially doing is you're trading Namari Burnett, the former five-star and McDonald's All-American, for Jane Shackford. And I'll tell you what, that's a trade a lot of people would do at Alabama. And it's a trade, you know, that it could be looked at like that, right? Because anytime you talk, talk to people about how Namari Burnett is going doing in practice, you know, he's, 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 being, he's better than expected. And his jump shot has gotten much better. He was not a great scorer his first year at Texas Tech. You know, left the program in January. Things ended a little sour there. Um, but his offensive game has already gotten so much better. Defensively, Namari Burnett is his outstanding and already more advanced in that area of his game than Jane Shackford was. Now, Jane Shackford offensively, where they were at respectively, it was better offensively coming into it than Namari Burnett. But Namari Burnett can, can flip a switch and turn it on, and I think he can develop those traits to be a scorer, to be a more efficient three-point shooter. So that's a trade that Alabama would do, I, I promise you, nine times out of ten at least. Um, so – and another thing is I, I know a lot of people – when Jane Shackford in the transfer portal, everybody was kind of going nuts, all oh, the sky's falling. Do, do people forget about Javon Quinterly? Do people forget about – J.D. Davison, do people forget about Namari Burnett? This is three former McDonald All-Americans on the same team. Alabama will be just fine. Now, there's a lot of new faces, and, and you know, if, if Shockford does in, in, indeed leave, then no one on that roster will have played in a Crimson Tide uniform before 2020-2021. And that, that's, that's interesting to me, right? So, so there's going to be some kind of things that got to get worked out early on in the year to get back on that path to where they're playing their best basketball toward March. But even without Shackerford, I think I said this last week on the show, Alabama is still an elite eight type team without Jane Shackerford. And that's a credit to coach Oates. That's a credit to coach Petway, to coach Hodgson, to those guys being able to recruit their tails off, getting players from the portal, like Noah Gurley from Furman, Charles Bediaco, Alex Chiku's coming back from injury. So Alabama will be fine. To me, the whole thing about Jane Shackford, and I think he's an outstanding human being. I think he's an outstanding basketball player. But when you're upset about development and you want to be developed better, why are you leaving this situation rather than just saying, let's make amends, 
let's figure this thing out. Is is it? And I don't think Jaden's Jaden is definitely not scared of the competition. That's definitely not. I don't think that's what it is at all. I don't. I don't get that from Jaden Shackford at all. Um, I just, to me, I just question. You know what they're trying to get out of this process, because when you're playing, for example, Alabama last year in Justin Tempo, they were eleventh. Before that, you know, when Alabama was 16 to 15, when Jane Shackleford as a freshman burst onto the scene, they were one or two. And, I, you know, I, I think – I just – I don't think this is a good move on his part if he does end up transferring. Um, but if he does, Alabama will be just fine. And, uh, and, and that's my two cents on that. That's my two cents on that. Um, but as always, you guys can reach us on Twitter. Tell us what you think on Facebook, on Alabama Crimson Title and Sports Illustrated. Tell us what you think. Real quick before we wrap this up, NIL update. Maybe you seen, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Jawan Gary, I know we're talking about basketball. Jawan Gary, uh, he actually posted uh, a tweet. Uh, uh, I think it was yesterday. I think it was on Thursday uh, about his uh, NIL and his brand. Um, he's making T-shirts, making hoodies, making uh, shorts that you guys can go buy. Um, thought that was cool. That was he was one of the first album players I've seen. Uh, do that and I thought that was really really awesome it's kind of got his logo you guys can go check that out uh, it's, it's cool what name image likeness is doing for a lot of these players um, and a lot of these athletes because it was long overdue for them to get some money uh, switching over to the diamond Montana Fouts who me and Joey have talked about and we're kind of like okay what's her value on the market where, where where is she you know project how much money is she projected to make because she could stay two more seasons at Alabama including this next one so and then you see she made a deal with Cameo and, you know, Cameos where you can do some personalized video shout outs for any kind of situation you got going on. You can get it made, you know, if it's a friend, his birthday, wedding, whatever, they'll make a video and do a shout out. And she started, I think, at twenty nine dollars uh, a video. She's already bumped up to fifty five dollars. And I'm thinking, Montana, you, you know, you, you've thrown one of the five perfect games in the Women's College World Series history. history shoot, you need to be, you need to be charging a lot more than that because people will pay that. The demand is really, really high. Uh, I would, I would assume for Montana Fouts, especially since she went from $29 to 55 per video. So that's a little bit of an NIL update. Some Alabama players, you know, are, are still partnering with some local shops. I saw Alabama Vintage um, doing some kind of some, get, hiring some brand ambassadors on the football team, like Javon Cohen, um, things like that to kind of promote their brand as well. But, you know, there's going to be so many updates every single day. It's going to be hard to keep track of. That's why you guys can keep track of it on our Bama Central NIL tracker as well. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're entering this new age, and football season will be here. And, and I, you know, it, I, it's crazy now, but I think when the season starts, it's going – football season starts, it's going to get even more crazier. You know, a kid has one good game, and, I, you know, I, I guarantee you just for that one week, however long that shine lasts on it for that one game, He's going to make as much money as he can off of that, and then we'll be on to the next star here, here and there, which is good. These players do deserve the money. It's long overdue. But, but yeah, that's that's the NIL update right there. Um, again, you can find all of our work at Bama Central on Twitter, and uh, I'm my personal Twitter is at Steven Tyler underscore 15. Um, but, again, like us, rate us, subscribe us to us on here, on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast, there we are. But, again, I appreciate the support from Alabama fans and whoever listens to this I do appreciate you as well thank you for being here and this has been another edition of the all things Bama podcast 